Time to pull your chair up to the table with the Discover the Word group as we continue our study of the New Testament book of Galatians called It's All About Grace. We're ready to head into part three of this six-part series of conversations that Marty Hahn and Elisa Morgan and Bill Crowder and Daniel Ryan Day are having. And they've discovered that the reason Paul wrote this letter to a group of churches that he helped to start is that they were under the influence of some teaching that was encouraging them to add some things to the gospel of grace through Jesus that he was really concerned about. Rules, laws, behaviors, those kinds of things. Well, Daniel will be leading the conversations in this edition of the podcast. And as we start part three and focus on Galatians chapter three, he wants us to consider something. Could this happen to us? Is there anything in our lives that we might have added to this gospel of grace, like our whole faith depends on this one idea? Yeah, do you think that's possible? Well, let's get started with part three of studying Galatians together on the Discover the Word podcast. Great to have you back with us. And remember, if there are any parts of this It's All About Grace series you've missed, our discovertheword.org website has the first two parts going through the first two chapters of Galatians posted so you can catch up. Or you could also invite a friend to join us at the table, and then they could go back to the beginning and catch up as well. And our website is at discovertheword.org, and you'll also find those past editions of the podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. Okay, so Mart and Bill and Elisa and Daniel are ready to jump back into this and see what chapter 3 of Galatians holds. See how Paul continues to address this serious departure from the gospel that he presented to them. It's not difficult to understand why this adding things to the gospel is an issue and that needs to be corrected. It needs to be corrected in them and it needs to be corrected in us if that's what we're leaning toward. So as I said, Daniel is leading this section of the study, and there is a twinkle in his eye as he gets this episode of the Discover the Word podcast underway. Bill, I want to throw this question to you first. Uh-oh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Have you ever done something that you knew ahead of time was probably a bad idea, but you did it anyway? Only every day. <laughs> Only every day. What yeah. about you, Elisa? No, I don't do anything stupid. No, no. I'm very humble about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> if you act real quickly, you don't even have to think about it. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think oftentimes in these situations, we know ahead of time what the right thing is or the right thing to do, but we don't always act off that knowledge. Yeah. We're in a, a series in Galatians, and this is chapter three. And Bill has passed the baton now, too. Yeah. Our and, friend uh, Daniel. With and great joy. <laughs> the question I would have is, Bill, as we talked through the first two yeah, chapters, yeah. is that question, knowing the right thing but not acting off that right thing, would that be a good way maybe to summarize where we are so far? Hmm. Well, I think what we've seen so far is that there are a bunch of people who are conflicted about how to really live in grace. We saw Peter, at the one hand, affirming grace, and on the other hand, going directly against it. Yeah. Hmm. We see Paul who's preaching grace, but he goes after Peter in a way that doesn't feel real grace-like sometimes, <laughs> you know. I think we've seen a lot of people struggling with how to make this work. And doesn't that relate to ourselves? How many times have we struggled with something? We sense we ought to be doing something, but we can very easily fall into a reason for not doing it. Absolutely. And the reason for not doing it oftentimes sounds really good to us in the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that feeds into what was happening with the Galatians. Absolutely. They had heard a good word. They had had the wonderful news of the gospel, mm-hmm. and they had embraced it. But now there was something else that had come along. And we're all inbred skeptics. You know, the old saying, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. And so grace is one of those things that on the surface is like, no, that sounds too good to be true. I mean, I've got to do something, right? I mean, what is the something yeah. I need to do? And then come the Judaizers with a whole list of somethings. Yeah. Absolutely. And saying that what you're believing is too good to be true. It's not true. It's too easy, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they had the idea, I think, that with grace, anything goes. Yeah. And that wasn't what was in the message of Paul no. in yeah. the gospel. Yeah. And you mentioned the Judaizers. One of the reasons Galatians exists is because there were these false teachers coming in and they were trying to add to the message that 
Paul had preached to the Galatians. And we see it as the Galatians. It was a whole series of churches. And okay. it was a circular letter that would have been passed around all these mm-hmm. churches that were in the region of Galatia. And so Paul had come and he had preached that simple gospel of grace. And these false teachers felt like that wasn't enough. Mm. And so the question that I kind of want to use to frame at least the first part of our conversation in chapter three is, has there ever been a time where you realized that you believed something about God or Christianity that you were so sure was true, but like the Judaizers, like the Galatians that are getting pulled into their teaching, grace wasn't enough Mm. for us either. And Mm. we wanted to add to Or there was something in the church that we grew up in that was so emphasized. I think for me, it's more that, Daniel. I Mm -hmm. think there are a whole lot of things that I think are important, but I don't think they're as important as I used to think they were. And Mm -hmm. I think what you were saying about the emphasis of things is really where sometimes we go off the rails a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't you think some people, when they first come to faith— a lot of times there's a little bit of culture shock because it was sounded so good and it was so wonderful in the beginning. And all of a sudden they find themselves in sort of a critical you know, atmosphere where you got to do everything right all the time now trying to live up to and please mm-hmm. this new group of mm-hmm. friends. And it gets real complicated. Yeah, it does. And yeah. unnecessarily, yeah. but it does. Yeah, for me, when I was in college, I had come up in a really conservative church and all that and got to college and I met this guy, Ed, and he and I became really good friends strong believer, leader in the campus ministry. And I remember one time saying something. It was something that I believed. And I remember what it is, but I'm not going <laughs> to share. But I remember saying something that I thought was 100% true. And he looked at me and was like, show me where that is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I started looking around and not only did I not find what I thought was true, but I found that the opposite was true. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit led me to this passage in Corinthians that talks about what the foundation is. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I laid no foundation other than Christ. Then he talks about all the other stuff that could be in a foundation, like hay and stubble and those Mm -hmm. things that Mm -hmm. burn away. Mm -hmm. And so as we dive into this passage today, I want us just to keep that in mind. Is there anything in our lives that we might have added to this gospel of grace, like our whole faith depends on this one idea. That's Um, a great hook for us. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah. So we're in chapter three. Let's read verses one through five. And if this language feels shocking, it's because it is. So, Elisa, will you read Galatians (laughs) three verses one through five? Here we go, guys. Okay. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Does that shock anybody else, that language? a little ticked here, yeah. (laughs) Well, again, I'm trying to put myself in the group of one of those churches, and you show (laughs) up on the Lord's Day for worship, and they say, hey, we've got a letter from Paul, and all of a sudden, he's smacking me around. I I mean, how uncomfortable must that Uh have been when that was being read for those people? It seems harsh. Yeah. And again, what was happening here? What's the black and white stuff? What are they saying you Here's, have to do? This is the Old Testament law. And we're going to talk a lot about this this week because Paul goes into actually describing the foolishness or okay. what are those things they're trying to add to. But basically, it's the Old Testament law. Following okay. the Old Testament law, you have to do that too. It's not just grace. It's grace and. And so that's the foolishness. Now, foolish, although it's somewhat of a harsh word, it's actually a word that Jesus used too. Real quick, somebody summarized the story of the road to Emmaus. It's Resurrection Day, and people are all confused because they're hearing these rumors that the grave was empty, and they don't know what to make of it. Two of Jesus' disciples are walking from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus, and Jesus joins them on the road and Mm -hmm. asks them, what's going on? Why are you so upset? And they don't recognize him. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And Jesus says to them at one point as they're describing, oh, where have you been? Have you not heard of this guy, Jesus? You know, and now we don't know what to do. And they have no hope at this Mm -hmm. point. And Jesus looks at them and he says, and this is Luke 24, 25, 
Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. And then what does Jesus do? He teaches them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus wasn't just being condemning. Yeah. There had to be some kind of compassion in those words, foolish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the word just means ignorant. And so the reason I wanted to read that Luke 24, 25 is because of how Jesus qualifies the foolishness. He says, oh, how slow of heart to believe. Mm-hmm. You know, when we put foolishness in those terms, I think it changes it a little bit. It does. There's some compassion there. Paul, Jesus, they're not saying, oh, you bunch of idiots, no. right? But that's the way it sounds to our That's ears. the way it sounds yeah. to us. But what if it's, man, you're missing it. So yeah. if we read it a little bit differently, it might be more like, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Yeah, and you could say that with a tear in your eye. You could. You, you know, you Great could. compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Changes it dramatically. Right. But it, nevertheless, it still has a certain amount of shock factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it has to, mm-hmm. to pull them back to grace, right? Right. Yeah. And we've talked about this on the program before. We have a very ultra-sensitive culture to talking about truth. And we tend to sugarcoat things, try to make it softer than it is. This culture is not like that. Mm. If there was something that needed to be said, it was said, and it was much more direct. And all of us have experienced people from other cultures or other parts of America even mm-hmm. where they tend to be more direct. And we think it's rude, but in their mind, it's not rude. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we're going to see is that Paul has so much loving language for these Galatians. Mm-hmm. He's going to call them children in a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's going to talk about the, him being in the pain of childbirth for them because he loves them so much. In fact, the pain is coming because for them, it's not enough. This grace, this love that Jesus has for them is not enough. They're trying to add to it. And as we're going to see as we go through chapter 3, because of that, just like those two guys on the road to Emmaus, they have no hope. They're stressed out. They're enslaved, as Paul's going to say. And what Paul wants to do is give them that hope of grace. Any of you attended a wedding recently? It's been a while. It's been a year. It's been a couple of years for me. And the last wedding I attended, I actually officiated. Mm. It was my youngest son's wedding. And uh, so that was kind of a very fun day and a fun memory. That's neat. Yep. And I think mine wasn't too far back uh, in Mm -hmm. a summer outdoor wedding in Colorado. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. The last wedding I went to was a wedding in the woods. Yeah. It was great. That's neat. That's neat. A little alliteration there too. Wedding in the woods. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What happens at a wedding? What are we celebrating? Oh, two people come together forever. Yeah, Yeah. It's beautiful. And are those two people biologically related? Probably not. Not a good idea, <laughs> not right? Not a good idea. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have two families who are not biologically related who basically become one family mm-hmm. through the marriage of a son and a daughter. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that sometimes those families that come together through those two individuals, the family part of it can get a little sketchy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because those families don't always blend well. <laughs> yeah, and that might be a great way to frame our conversation today because... What we're going to see is that this group of false teachers that's been coming in and trying to add to this gospel of grace, the grace of Jesus Christ that Paul's been teaching, they are very much about a physical relationship to Abraham, a physical, biological relationship. And Paul is going to reframe that to show that it's not the physical, it's not the biological that relates the groups of people he's going to talk about. Okay, so they're emphasizing their ancestry, right? Yep, they're emphasizing the ancestry, and we'll see that really clearly as we read the passage. Before we read that, where are we at so far? We're in Galatians 3, and yesterday we saw Paul really turn from telling his story, which he did in chapters 1 and 2, and turn directly to the Galatians and start talking about where they are in their story. Mm-hmm. Because there have been some strife within this region, not really trusting Paul's authority as an apostle. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at that, among other things, mm-hmm. that he really legitimately mm-hmm. was called by Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the one who trained him in the wilderness. And you know he didn't get 
this gospel from people. He got it from the Lord himself. Mm -hmm. And then he goes ahead to say, we've got to be really careful that we don't muddy it up with other things. Grace is grace. It's undeserved love that Jesus provided for us. And apparently Mm -hmm. when these people first heard it, they got it and they embraced Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But now they're having questions about Mm -hmm. it and he senses that. And one of the things that Bill led us through was this idea of circumcision was important. Mm -hmm. And that's going to come up again today, not that term, but the concept of Abraham. And the reason circumcision was brought up is because that was part of the, here's the gospel of grace, but you also need this piece. And it was the circumcision aspect that was a really big deal in chapter two. It was a very patriarchal culture too, wasn't it? And the men were the leaders and this was like a sign. You know, it was not public, obviously, but it was something that was required of the male leadership Mm -hmm. to identify them with the covenant. Yeah. So let's read that passage. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Bill, will you read that for us? Sure. Just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, so you see, those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, Those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. So I think this is where reading the Bible today outside of the culture starts getting a little messy Mm -hmm. and confusing. We're seeing some names here. So Mm -hmm. Abraham, the term Gentiles, Mm -hmm. he's talking about the descendants of Abraham. A lot of us should feel left out at the beginning of that, right? Right. Because I'm not biologically related to Abraham. Are you, Bill? Nope. Nope. Okay. (laughs) Um, And so one of the things that I think is important to mention is circumcision was the way that even if you weren't biologically related to Abraham, you could be pulled into the family, right? And so that was one way. But again, it was this physical Let's look at who Abraham is, and then we have to get connected to that family. Mm -hmm. And so let's start with that. Who was Abraham? Well, he was uh, the one who would end up becoming the father of the nation of Israel. But he had left his home. He had traveled at God's instruction to a new land, and God promised he would make of him a great nation, and that uh, through him all the nations, all the families of the world would be blessed. Mm So the phrase that we just saw in this verse was just as Abraham believed God, believed Mm -hmm. that promise that you just Mm -hmm. described, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So what were some of the things that God asked of Abraham that showed that he believed God? I think what was interesting initially is that Abraham and his wife were childless. Mm -hmm. And they were old. And they were old. When we meet them and God promises them a son, Mm -hmm. children. And then he promises them many. Many. Many Like what Bill said. Yeah, it's going to populate the whole earth. That seems really impossible. And how did they both react to that? Mm, They laughed. They laughed. (laughs) Which I would have too, I think. You know, (laughs) what was funny is the other day I was reading through this part of the story in the Old Testament. It was the first time I noticed that Abraham laughed first. But they laughed at different times. But they laughed at different times. <laughs> and yet Abraham still believed God and it was reckoned him as righteousness. What Took else? some time. And he didn't believe God perfectly. I mean, there no. were times where he stuttered in his faith. There were times he used lying and deception. That's right. To try to manipulate circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I guess probably the best example of him believing God would then be with Isaac, Mm -hmm. where he keeps telling his son, God will provide, Mm -hmm. God will provide. They're going to the mountain and Abraham thinks God might be asking him to sacrifice Isaac. And yet every time Isaac asks where the lamb is, he says, no, 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 God will provide, God will provide. Mm -hmm. So Abraham believes God. It was reckoned to him as righteousness really just means, okay, he believed God, he did the right things. So when God said, move, he moved. When God said, you're going to have a kid, although he laughed at first, he came around, as you said, Mark. I'm kind of glad he did the wrong things, though, at other times. You know, it kind of helps to see him stumbling along the way. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, he did the right thing at times, and his faith did develop and deepen. Mm -hmm. But he did some foolish things, too. Do you think this is one of the examples of how sometimes we look on the past heroes of faith with those rose-colored glasses of Mm -hmm. thinking they had it all together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we really need to spend the time reading their lives and their stories. Yeah. Yeah. So... Abraham believed God, and he believed specifically in the promise that God gave him. Mark, will you read Genesis 12, 3? What is the promise that God gives? Okay, going back to the beginning, huh? God says to Abram, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
throughout this chapter and then the next chapter, we're going to hear a lot about the promise that God gave Abraham. That's the promise that we're talking the about. The blessing. The blessing. And that all of the nations of the world will be blessed through him. Mm. We just saw in the passage we read in Galatians 3, it says, And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. Mm. So that is that promise. What does it mean that God would justify the Gentiles by faith too? Well, it certainly doesn't mean that you have to be biologically connected to Abraham, mm-hmm. uh, which I think you're telling us is the point that Paul's making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so what is the thing? <laughs> grace. <that laughs> it's all the about two. grace. And it's Jesus' sacrifice for us that connects us and makes it possible for us all to be blessed. So then it becomes a spiritual connection rather than a physical one, right? It's operating under grace, but it's enacted by believing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The common touch that Israel had with Abraham was genetic. But the common touch that we have with Abraham is they believed God and we've believed in God through Christ, right? Yeah, exactly. So that promise that God gives to Abraham that all of the world will be blessed, all of the nations of the world, all the people of the world will be blessed through him is this idea that, look, it's not this physical connection that we've been overemphasizing, that you've now heard this group of false teachers come in and say, this is what you have to do now. It's not about this anymore. It's not about keeping the rules and the laws of Moses. Mm -hmm. It's something else. It's about believing in Jesus, basically. And we see that right at the end of the section that we looked at. For Mm -hmm. this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. How beautiful is that? We have this group of Galatians, and what are they being told by this group of false teachers? You got to perform to get God to love you. If you want to be a part of God's family, there's a lot you got to do. It's almost like they're saying, Jesus will get you in the door, but you've got to keep yourself there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I think the beauty of this passage, the really good news for them, the Galatians, Mm. and us too, we don't have to perform Mm. for God's love and mercy. Mm. Now, as we're going to see when Elisa leads us through five and six, there's (laughs) a lot that we end up doing because of the way God transforms our hearts. And there is some responsibility there. But as far as being accepted and loved by God, there's nothing we have to do for that. It's a gift, a gift of grace. To be received. To be received. Yeah, that is really good news, isn't it? And it's a gift that I'm grateful for every day. Well, you're here at the Discover the Word table with Marty Hahn, Lisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. And we're in part three of our study in Galatians titled, It's All About Grace. And it's great to have you here at the table with us. And when we continue our study of Galatians chapter three in this episode, we're going to talk about the Old Testament outlining hundreds of laws that the Israelites were supposed to keep. It was an impossible task. And in that sense, it was almost a curse. So our next part of the conversation is called A Tale of Two Curses. And you won't want to miss that part of the conversation that comes up after we take a short break. Now, Discover the Word is one of the Bible engagement outreaches of Our Daily Bread Ministries, a global ministry that is dedicated to telling the story of Jesus and making the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. And one of the ways we are committed to fulfilling that mission is with a wide range of devotional literature that encourages followers of Jesus to engage the scriptures and spend time with God on a regular and consistent basis. And so during our study of Galatians, I'm taking a few moments in each episode to tell you about some of the options that you have related to our devotional material. I'll be breaking it down into some categories that speak to specific parts of the audience. Now, in the last episode, for example, I mentioned that we have some devotions for women. This time, I'm going to focus on a few that we have for men, like the Hold Fast edition from Our Daily Bread Publishing. It is a hardback book with 365 devotions for men by men who understand the everyday struggles of living with integrity and purpose. This collection of five-minute devotions will help you to hold fast to God amid the challenges and uncertainties of today's world. And our new president, Matt Lucas, had a great suggestion in the foreword. He invites you to ask two or three other men to join you in going through it and 
and that you meet with them on a regular basis, maybe weekly, to share how God is changing you as you engage the battle. Well, here's how to get a copy of the Hold Fast devotional for men. Just go to discovertheword.org and click store, and then type in devotionals for men in the search bar. You'll see a good variety and uh, the Hold Fast devotional in the store there at discovertheword.org. And now back to Galatians chapter 3 and the part of the conversation called The Tale of Two Curses. When I say the word curse, what do you think of? Bad words. It it, it (laughs) depends on the context. Yeah, Yeah. it could be bad words, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I live in the world of sports. (laughs) So I think about the curse of the babe, Oh, which Mm -hmm. in 1918, the Boston Red Sox traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees. And it was like a gazillion years before they ever won the World Series <laughs> yep, again. And that yep. was the curse of the bait. Yeah. 85, actually. Okay. <laughs> 85 years. Yeah, I happened to look that up because I thought of curses in sports yeah. as well. Yeah, it has a real dark association, too, in many ways. Mm-hmm. A curse can be placed upon people. Mm-hmm. And if they feel that that mark is on them, they can live with fear of death. You know, that Well, and there's a kind of sorcery involved in right, that, right? Right. And then we see it in fairy tales, and it's a little more lighthearted, even though it still has dark overtones. Yeah. You know, just recently, I was reading through Genesis, where Jacob is blessing his sons. And some of those blessings sound more like curses, curses. than blessings. Yeah. 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 There are a couple of them, like mm-hmm. Judah, man. He gets yeah. the brass ring. But some of the other ones, it's kind of like, really? Is that all I get? Yeah. And this is a blessing? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Did you know that the word curse shows up in Galatians too? Actually, it shows up twice. So we've been talking about these false teachers that are coming into the churches in Galatia and saying, hey, grace is great, but it's not enough. You need grace plus. Um, you need grace and. You need to be physically connected with Abraham. You need to follow the Mosaic law. And not only are they saying that, but they're saying that Paul was wrong. Mm. Paul did not give you a complete picture. When we looked through chapter one, it seems like they may have even been saying, he's going soft. Mm. And Paul's like, no, I'm not seeking human approval. I'm not doing that. This is a gospel God gave me to give to you. That's the reason that I'm preaching okay, I remember this gospel our conversation, the idea that they may have been accusing him of being a people pleaser by giving yeah. them a message, the kind of thing that you want to hear. Oh, I'm forgiven. God loves me. You know. And I want to just stop for a second and point out that in many cases, they're not diabolically trying to steer everybody off Who? the page. The false teachers, we keep calling them. Okay. These are Judaizers. These are people who love, I'm using air quotes, love God through the law. Mm. They wanted so much to love God, they thought this was the right way to love him by keeping the law, by identifying with Abraham. Maybe they were mean but and evil, but I think they were just lost and foolish and incomplete in their understanding. And a lot of us are like that, the Logically, We have wrong beliefs that we sincerely throw out in our effort to please God, but we're misled. Mm. So that gives me compassion for them as well. That helps <laughs> us see the other yeah. side of their well-meaning I think that lies. is so important yeah. because invariably that's the way we are. All mm-hmm. of us. You know, our sense of rightness. And when you combine that, you marry it to religion and to your faith. Then all of a sudden it becomes very toxic, but you think it's not. And I think, as we've talked about before, all of us, when thinking about how do you please God, we default to performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something I do. My family's got to look good. You know, I've got to have the books of the Bible memorized. You know, I need to go to church. I need to tithe. You know, these things are the ways I please that God. That gets me accepted. Yeah, it's yeah. what I do. And mm-hmm. Paul is saying it's something behind what we do, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's saying it's, mm-hmm. it's not there. It's something that precedes what we do. And just in our conversation, I'm beginning to feel what that pressure feels like sometimes when you feel like you have to perform to make God happy. Mm-hmm. That's weighty. Okay, let's take the other side then. Let's say, okay, so why don't you have to do? I mean, I can imagine people saying, well, wait a minute. You do have to do something to yeah. please God. And look what Jesus did. Look what he did. Mm-hmm. Look what Paul did. Yeah. So how do you answer that? I think what we're going to see is Paul's going to say, okay, well, If the Old Testament law is that important to you, let's go back and read it. Let's read some of the things that it says in the Old Testament law. That you have to do. And see if you can live under what those expectations are. Mm -hmm. So do you mind if we jump into the passage and maybe see if that helps start that conversation, Mark? Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. 
Bill, you could read that for us today. Galatians 3, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. So stop there. So we have our first curse that we're seeing. And what is that curse? The curse is upon everyone who doesn't keep the law perfectly. Perfectly. Mine says everything written in the book of law. Wow. Exactly. Okay, keep reading. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the one who is righteous will live by faith. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does the works of the law will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay, so as we work through the answer to your question, Mark, read 3.14 again. In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay, so what is the goal? What is Paul's agenda with challenging these false teachers and challenging what the Galatians are believing? What does he want for them? If you believe that the law can save you, you've got to keep it all perfectly, and that's impossible, so good luck. Yeah, and what he's saying is that the path to relationship with God can't be the works of the law because we can't do it. Right. But Abraham had relationship with God by faith in him. That's the pathway to relationship. Last time we read Genesis 12, 3, where it described the promise. What was that promise, Mart, that uh, God gave to Abraham? That through his descendant, all the nations, all the families of the world would be blessed. So Paul's goal for these Galatians is he wants them to experience the blessing of God. Mm -hmm. That's his goal. I think a lot of these false teachers probably have the same goal. They want the people to receive the blessing too. Because most people describe the Judaizers as missionaries too for the cause of Christ. They're just misinformed. And when you think of their history, Mm -hmm. the whole idea of God's relationship with Israel was through Moses. Mm -hmm. If you do everything I tell you to do, then I will bless you. If you don't do what I Mm -hmm. tell you to do, then curses upon you. I mean, the difference between the promise that was given to them if they did keep it and the terrible things that would happen Mm -hmm. if they didn't. Mm -hmm. And so I think the question that we have to begin wrestling with then is, okay, well, let's look at the Old Testament law. Is it possible to get to that blessing on our own? Galatians 3.10, it says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. Mm-hmm. That's actually a quotation from Deuteronomy. Elisa, we read um, Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. And what will all the people say to that? And all the people then at the very end of the verse said, amen. And that happened over and over in the Old Testament, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, they were told, do everything God wants you to do and you'll be okay. And they said, we will do everything you tell us to do. Especially at Mount Sinai. Yeah. And somehow in all this conversation, I feel like if we had the writers of scripture in the room, whoever the anonymous person was who wrote Hebrews would be leaning over saying, hey, 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 guys, I covered this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. (laughs) I mean, because that really gets to where Paul is trying to go, right? Yeah. What's the problem with the law? We can't keep it entirely. And yet the very law itself says, well, you're cursed if you don't keep it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And that becomes even clearer in the New Testament, doesn't it? When it becomes an issue of, well, what's the biggest law? What's the most important? Mm -hmm. What's the love of God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, strength? Mm -hmm. Which also you can't do. (laughs) You love your neighbor as yourself. Whoops. And it's so interesting that the law clearly demanded that people obey perfectly. Yeah. But grace does not demand that faith believes perfectly. I mean, that's a good point. I remember so much the guy who said, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Think of the man on the cross. Remember me. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. A guy that didn't have time to do anything. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And yet God loved him and accepted him. He just said, remember me. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're left with just the law, we're in a bad spot. Hmm. We're cursed because we can't obey everything. And the law itself says, unless you obey everything, you're cursed. Yeah. But the good news is there's another curse that's mentioned in this passage. Mm. And that second curse comes from, and we don't have time to read it, but it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 through 23. 
And it describes that anybody who is hung on a tree is cursed. And you listen to that and you say, why? Until you see Jesus. And then you understand, right? So there's another curse, the curse that Jesus took on himself. And so what Paul's presenting to the Galatians is, look, this is a tale of two curses. And if we're honest, when we read through this, it doesn't make perfect sense to us. It can be confusing. But there is one thing that's clear with both these curses, and that is they both end in death. One is death for you, the Galatians, or us, if we try to keep this law perfectly. But the other was Jesus who came and died for us on the cross, hanging on the tree, so that God could then turn to us with open hands and give us that grace. Do any of you have a will? Yes. Yes. Sure do. Mm-hmm. Yes. What is a will and what's its purpose? It's a legal document that uh, determines what will be done with your assets mm-hmm. when you pass, when you die. And there are elements potentially that also determine what happens to you as you are passing in terms of medical treatment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and for me, I have a section in my will about my kids because mm-hmm. they're all underage. Right. And mm-hmm. so a will can also determine who your kids go to mm-hmm. and right, yeah. who their mm-hmm. who their sure. guardians are. So is it fair to say that we've been talking through a lot of pretty complicated terminology in Galatians? Yeah. We have. And I think sometimes even the things that we don't think are as complicated that we take for granted, like the word grace, Mart, yeah. are things that we just assume we're all on the same page about what that means. Right. We know it sounds good. Yeah. And we know it should be good. I think the word gospel gets used that way a lot now too, right? Yes. What is gospel? Right. It means good news, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But people throw around that word a lot. And yeah. I think in our culture, as we've grown increasingly distant culturally to the things of the scriptures, more and more, not only is that language confusing, but it's more and more seen as kind of an in-house private language. Jargon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the reason we're talking about a will today is because I think Paul sensed that a little bit in Galatians. Oh, this is some deep, heady, confusing, could be stuck in theology stuff. And so I want to give a real life example to help us understand what I'm trying to say. Okay. And that's what we'll see with the will. But before we do that, maybe we should just stop for a second and say, okay, well, what is grace? We've yeah. talked a lot about it. We're throwing that word around a lot. Are we even at this table on the same page as to what that mm. is? Well, again, a lot of it depends on context. I mean, when I was a kid growing up at the dinner table, we would hold hands and say grace. Mm. So and it was a prayer. It was a yeah. prayer of blessing on the food. And in some ways it was a way of saying thank you. Yes. Right. I think that goes really to the heart of what Paul is talking about. It's not something you earn. It's not like you come to the table and say, let's hold hands and thank God what we've earned. Yeah, for what we've accomplished. Yeah, for what we've done. No, this is something, it's favor and it's goodness. Something has been given to us. Yeah, it's a gift. Yeah, I think uh, Elisa in a previous conversation said that it is this amazing, overwhelming love from God that we could never earn or deserve Mm -hmm. that just overflows from him to us. What would the opposite of that be? The opposite of grace. Yeah. Hmm. Probably works. Because if grace is the thing that we can't earn, then the other side of it would be whatever it is we think we're trying to earn. The Galatians were trying to earn it by being pulled into keeping the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. So it becomes Jesus versus Moses, grace versus law, faith versus works. I mean, you have very bipolar camps going on in Galatia right now. Yeah. Can we fleece God if we're not kosher? I mean, if we're not really careful about what we eat... Will God really show his favor upon us or will he curse us? It's really striving versus yielding to. Yeah, uh, there is a kind good. of me, 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 push, push, push yeah. versus a trusting. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how peace is also a byproduct of grace because when we're living in that yielded posture of letting God love us, we're peaceful. Legitimately, yeah. we receive a kind of peace that you can't access any other way, mm-hmm. a cease striving kind of yeah. piece. So I think this idea of Bill of sitting around the table and holding hands and saying grace. <laughs> <laughs> that actually you. works. It does. <laughs> Thank you. It reminds me of a birthday present because I didn't do anything to cause my birth. Yeah. And people give gifts yeah. and I didn't do anything to deserve mm-hmm. those gifts. My mom took care of getting me into the world and now I just am here. So I think the way that we're describing grace is as a gift, a gift yeah. from God. Mm-hmm. And that we accept. And that we accept. Yeah. So with that as our context, 
let's better understand Galatians 3, at least, by looking at this concept of a will. So Galatians chapter 3, 15 through 20. Mark, would you like to start Galatians chapter 3, verse 15? Okay, brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person who was Jesus. What I'm saying is this. I think it's good that he's trying to clarify (laughs) a little bit. What I'm saying is this. The law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed, capital S and singular there, okay, to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. So I think, can we safely say that this is a confusing section too? It's a bit complex. (laughs) It is complex. Um, Mart, when you read it, you said a human covenant. In my translation, it says, I give an example from daily life. Once a person's will has been ratified. Okay. It really is about language. You know, we were talking about the vocabulary that we use within Mm -hmm. the the family of faith and how foreign that vocabulary could be. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how many times we could make it so much easier (laughs) for people who don't know Christ if we would just neutralize our language a little bit. Mm -hmm. So he's talking about a ratified will, basically. So what is a ratified will versus a non-ratified will? Today we would say one you've taken to the notary public and they've stamped it. The other one hasn't been. Who is the notary public bill? The one that ratifies this promise, this will? God. God. So God is that person in power who says that this promise is ratified. It's sealed. What does that mean? Can it be added to? No. At this point? No. no. Can it be annulled or canceled? No. No. And that's what Paul says, right? Mm-hmm. He says, once a person's will has been ratified, no one adds to it or annuls it because they've gone to that notary public. They've gone before God and God has said, this is the promise that I'm giving to you. And what was that promise again? Well, it was the promise of blessing to Abraham who trusted him by faith. And I think it's so interesting that he puts in the detail Law came 430 years later. That is. What came 430 years later cannot nullify what God had already validated, right? Yep. And one of the fun things about that number is it shows up in the Old Testament twice. In fact, I'll share the references real quick so that if you'd like to look it up, you can. Genesis 15, 13, the Lord tells Abraham ahead of time, hey, just so you know, they're going to be in this other land. All of your descendants are going to be in this other land for 400 years. And then in Exodus chapter 12, when we see the people coming out of Egypt, it says the time the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And so Paul is referring to that Mm. time frame. And what he's saying is, look, for 400 years, Bill, as you're saying, all you had was the promise. Yeah. The law wasn't even there yet. Yeah. Then the law comes, but the promise to bless the world through Abraham's seed singular is that Jesus is coming, right? And, and that, that would be descendant. And that singular, would be the right. descendant singular. Yeah. But that promise doesn't change because this law came later, because it was already ratified. God had already put his stamp on it. It was already sealed, that okay. promise. Now somebody says, wait a minute, wait, just net it out for me. How would we do it? Yeah. So to simplify this section, or as Paul said, this is our point. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is. Yeah, yeah what yeah. I mean is. Yeah. Look, there was a promise. It was a promise by God to Abraham. I'm going to bless the whole world. And that promise was built on faith. It wasn't built on the law because the law did not exist yet. The law can't come in later and say, hey, you have to now add all these things because the promise was already there. And so why did he give the law? And we're going to talk about that next time. Okay. Because the next section of Galatians describes the law in much more detail. Okay, but in this case, the promise just has to be believed, right? Promise just has to be believed. And what is that promise? This seed singular. It's a messianic promise. 
I wish we had time to explain that whole section, but there was this term, the seeds of Abraham, and it was this idea of nationalism, Mm -hmm. that we all have to be physically connected to Abraham. And Mm -hmm. Paul's saying, no, 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 it's not seeds, plural. That promise was seed singular. And that goes back to the Garden of Eden. Exactly. And it's that idea of the messianic promise. There's one descendant coming. Mm -hmm. And that descendant is Jesus, which is the connection that he makes through the rest of the section. Jesus was that descendant. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he was a descendant of Abraham, he's the fulfillment of that promise through which all of the nations of the world will be blessed. Mm -hmm. The law is good. We're going to see why it's good next time. But it can't add to or take away the promise. And the promise is that God is going to bless the whole world through Jesus, his son. Yeah, that section of Galatians can be a bit confusing, but I think Daniel did a good job of breaking it down for us and helping us to better understand the connection between God's promise to Abraham, the law, and how Jesus Christ fits into all of it. We're studying the third chapter of Galatians in this episode of the podcast, taking six episodes to go over all six chapters in this letter Paul wrote, convincing those first century believers, as well as us today, that it's all about grace. Now, in that last segment, remember that Elisa voiced a a great question. One, as Daniel said, it's the question that should be driving us all crazy as we go through Galatians. (laughs) And the question is, and so why did he give the law? Yeah, why the law if it was going to be all about grace? Well, more about that to close out this Galatians chapter 3 episode of the podcast after I take a moment to tell you about uh, another of the helpful devotional products for men that we have here at Our Daily Bread Ministries. Uh, Over the course of these six episodes that we're spending in this important letter Paul wrote to the Galatians, I'm also taking a few moments in each episode to fill you in on some of the helpful devotional material that we have here at Our Daily Bread Ministries to help you grow closer to God and live out your faith in Jesus. And we actually have a lot of options for you. And in this edition, I'm emphasizing some of the devotionals that we have specifically for men. And the one I want to highlight here is actually one of my favorites. It's called Brother to Brother. And it's written by Tim Gustafson, one of our co-workers here at the ministry. Tim is a great guy, and I wish you had the opportunity to spend some time with him. And in a sense, actually you do, through this collection of 90 devotions for men on faith and life. Tim writes about what he has learned on his own journey while pursuing God, and he invites you to come along for the ride. I'm convinced that you'll relate to Tim's insights and to his sense of humor and wisdom as this brother in the faith encourages you to lean fully on God. That book is called Brother to Brother, and it's bound in a really nice leather cover and includes space for you to jot down some things about your own struggles and victories, sorrows, and joy. Just go to discovertheword.org and click Store, and then type in Devotionals for Men in the search bar. When you do that, you'll see Brother to Brother there in the store, at discovertheword.org. Again, type in devotionals for men in the search line. All right, and now let's finish this part of our study of Galatians that should help us understand why this was such a hot topic for Paul to address in this letter. These Galatian churches were struggling with the fact that it used to be all about the law, and now it's all about grace. Well, for them, that was a tough transition to make one that in many ways continues to be a struggle for us as well. And so let's listen. Define the term disciplinarian. It's it's an authoritarian. (laughs) Well, it's easier for me to picture one than it is to define one. I mean, I think of a a really strict coach, Mm -hmm. or I think like for a soldier in basic training, their drill sergeant, this very stern rigid, demanding kind of figure. That's mm-hmm. interesting because you there gave it a formality, a position. Mm-hmm. I was thinking more in terms of a temperament oh, okay. that tended to okay. lean too far in one direction. Mm-hmm. And in marriages, in parenting, often one of the father and mother is more of a disciplinarian than the other, mm-hmm. good cop, bad cop kind of thing. Yeah. But you often see that. And it is often built on temperament. 
mm-hmm. or personality and preference that way. Yeah. My wife says that all the time to me, don't make me the bad guy. And yeah. so I have to be like, okay, well, how am I doing that? First of all, because yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just being nice. The old language and, of when your father gets home, yeah. the fun starts. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we see as we are. It's yeah. hard to see it. Yeah. I think we need to be a little sensitive to talking about parents that are disciplinarians because some of the people joining us have had parents that abused them or treated them unfairly. And that's not the kind of discipline we're talking about today. But what a painful thing to go through. Mm -hmm. It can Mm -hmm. be abused, the whole concept of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we're talking about why a parent should make rules today. Mm -hmm. What would that be? Why should a parent have a rule? I think rules protect their children. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a study done about kids playing in a schoolyard. um, And when there was no fence around the schoolyard, they stayed very close to the building and they didn't do much. But when a fence was erected, they went all the way to the borders. And that's what rules can do Mm -hmm. is provide freedom and safety for us. That's another way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a surprise. Early on, rules are needed more than later, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully children yeah. internalize their understanding of what safety is. It, boundaries is another mm-hmm. concept. Right. We've had Dr. John Townsend with us before as our guest teacher, and boundaries are a way of setting internal rules that help us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's not just for our protection, but it's also for the protection of others. Mm. Rules also help protect relationships and interactions because it produces some guidelines for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine, an author named Andy Andrews, he always says that the purpose of parenting is not to make good kids, but to make good adults. I thought that was pretty good Mm because a lot of times we get so focused on trying to have good kids that we forget that the purpose of these rules is to shape them, like you said, Bill, so they can interact with others in a meaningful way later in life. Have you ever made a rule for your kids that really had more to do with them bothering you or annoying <laughs> you or just be quiet? <laughs> I think the inclination always, if we're going to talk in terms of disciplinarians or the parent is always inclined to act out of their own interest. Exactly. I, mm-hmm. I say always. There's a deep inclination to do that. Well, and to look at the other side, it is costly to set meaningful rules. When you take away your child's technology, you know, or when you ground them from their friends, they're under your eyes all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's an expense when we set rules Mm -hmm. that we have to pay as parents. So Elisa brought up a question toward the end of our last conversation. You're welcome. She said, what is the purpose of the law? And they said, (laughs) we're going to talk about that next time. (laughs) Because you were making the very strong point that the promise came before the law and the promise couldn't be set aside. And so I'm going, so why did we get the law? Yeah, which is a question that Paul brings up in Galatians. We're in Galatians. We've been in Galatians for a couple weeks now as we go through the book together. Bill, you led us through chapters one and two. And You've got I'm, three and four. I've got three and, and four. Got five I've and got six. five and six, and, and you're keeping us on task. Yeah, that's yes. right. <laughs> and asking the hard questions. Thank yeah. you very much. And today we come to the end of another week of talking, uh, and specifically we're going to end talking about Galatians chapter three. And it's in this ending of Galatians three that we find out the purpose of the law. And one of the terms that Paul uses is the law is a disciplinarian. And so we can listen for some of that terminology as we read it together. It's a little bit longer of a section, so maybe we could go around and read it together. Galatians chapter 3, verses 21 through the end of the chapter at 29. Elisa, will you start for us? Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture has shut up all men under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith, But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That's interesting, Daniel, because mine, instead of saying disciplinarian, says guardian. Mm -hmm. So let me pick it up. Mine says tutor. Tutor. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay, so verse 26 then goes on to say, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, 
then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So, Marta, I really liked how in your translation, it didn't say disciplinarian. What did it say? It said uh, guardian. Guardian. Yeah. And I heard another one too. Tutor. Tutor. Uh, but uh, I was also thinking in the King James, I think it said schoolmaster. Schoolmaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we started off the conversation talking about this idea of disciplinarian or rules. And Elisa, you shared that story about it protecting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Rules are meant to protect or to guard. How does that strike you as we think about that related to the law? Good intentions yet again. We tend to polarize these concepts we're talking about as mm-hmm. good and bad. You know, the law was intended from God's heart to give us a way of protection. Yeah. And if you put in that idea of tutor, it's there to teach us mm-hmm. something. Yeah. It's there for us to learn something important. That's a huge part of the bigger story because we know looking back, the law and a nation's inability to keep that law helped them to show their need for mercy. True. They needed something other than the rules. Mm-hmm because they were not able to live up to those rules. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we talked about in a previous conversation this week about how the law itself says the only way to get it right is to do it all. Yeah. In fact, you're cursed if you don't obey all of it. Mm -hmm. And so there's this concept of guardianship, protection, of teaching, and yet it also leaves this weight. Well, and you know, there's these couple of verses right before we come to the end that are bumping me. And they're ones about how Paul says we're clothed in Christ and how there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, which I get. That's the circumcision thing between slave and free, between male and female. But he also talks about the need to be baptized. And I'm hearing, well, is this a, a rule put back on me <laughs> right. now that I'm freed from rules? Do I have to be baptized in order to be receiving grace. Yeah, it almost feels like these two verses are popped up in the middle of a different thought Mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. I think when we get to the end of this in verse 29, Paul is tying that bow or at least as close to a bow as we can get halfway through a letter that he's writing, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have Mm -hmm. three more chapters, four, five, and six that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks that helps a little bit. But I think at least a part of the answer to your question might come back from something that I've heard Mart say before, which is, well, what's the purpose of the law now? Is it still our guardian? Hmm. And Paul answers that here. Somebody read verse 25 and 26. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through the faith in Christ Jesus. The tutor, the disciplinarian, the guardian, the, the one who protects us, yeah. the schoolmaster, mm. that still played an important role for a long time. It was a protector. But when Christ came, he then became that protector because we now become sons and daughters of God. So now when we look at your passage, Mm. Elisa, Mm -hmm. there's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. Mm -hmm. The point is all these distinctions that we use on earth to try to divide, all of a sudden those go away because all of us are sons and daughters of God. This idea of being clothed in Christ means when we look at each other, we see Christ. And so, so baptism is like the literal dipping down into the water. This is an identity, an acceptance, a receiving of that grace. An immersion into Christ. Yes. Yeah. Clothing ourselves with Jesus. Yeah. And so then when we get to verse 29 and it says, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We've been talking a lot about Abraham mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> this week. But the key in that is we're heirs to the promise. What was that promise again from Genesis 12? The promise 12? was blessing. Blessing. God's favor on all the world. Blessing. So it ties up this whole week, this idea that, look, yes, at one time there was this group of people They were Abraham's descendants. They were blessed by God. But now that Christ came, all of us become those heirs. All of us are now sons and daughters of God. Through faith, through believing Through faith, and through that we're given the promise, the grace that we've been talking about. We become God's sons and daughters. And that is a great way to end this episode of the Discover the Word podcast in which we've worked our way through Galatians chapter 3. It's all about grace. That's what the Galatians had to understand, and that's what uh, we have to have a hold of as well. It's not necessarily an easy concept to embrace, but it is foundational to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the Discover the Word podcast here at the table with Mark DeHaan, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. And I hope you're planning on being part of our next podcast when Mart and Elisa and Bill and Daniel will explore how the law was almost like a babysitter for humanity. 
That sounds like an odd comparison, but I think it'll make a lot more sense to you once you hear how we start the next episode. And hey, maybe bring one of your favorite babysitter stories when you come back to the table to study Galatians chapter 4 next time on the Discover the Word podcast. Well, we're glad to have friends like you joining us for these conversations, and we're grateful for the supportive friends who make this ministry possible through their financial giving to Discover the Word. Discover the Word is free to listen to, but producing and distributing these audio studies come, of course, with significant expense. So your gift today will help us to continue to make the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. You can show your support by giving online at discovertheword.org. Click the Donate tab there at discovertheword.org. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedding of the Discover the Word podcast is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.